Hello, I'm Harry. Hello, I'm Rory, and you're listening to Games on Film. It's Games on Film, the podcast that celebrates video game movies. And after an episode dealing with uh, video games based on the Evil Dead and a movie based on Battleships, a board game, we're back on our home turf. It's got streaks, it's got fighting, it's got Chung Lee, it's got legends, it's got the, it's got of. What's the film we're doing today? Street Fighter, The Legend of Chung Lee. The legend! Today I'd like to find out what's the difference between a legend and a bunch of stuff which happens. <laughs> <laughs> but this is, gosh, how many Street Fighter episodes we've done? Uh, got the live action, the anime, any more? I think this is the third. There are other Street Fighter offerings out there. I think there's a Street Fighter Alpha animated mm. movie. There's the Assassin's Fist uh, web series, I believe. And we do also have forthcoming Speaking of Legends, a new Street Fighter, I believe live action feature film announced by Legendary Entertainment, which we are due to receive at some point in the future. I f- yeah, I completely forgot that was happening. Right now, Legendary Pictures are crouching. They're crouching, they're crouching to unleash that spinning bird kick. Um... Yeah, that's a video game <laughs> thing. They're about to circle right and press a punch button. They're about to... I'm just trying to think of other ways to describe Street Fighter moves. I don't know. Well, we're doing this episode in a way to march the release of Street Fighter Sits, which... Which I believe is like the sixth ever Street Fighter game. <laughs> yes, they only released Street Fighter 2 once. <laughs> <laughs> no other iterational version was ever released. Um, yes, Street Fighter Sits, which I played the demo of last night. And I think what um, the idea behind this game, while there are still your very typical 1v1, um, best of three rounds, knock their enemy health bar down until you get your KO and you win. Um you know, very standard beat-em-up format, which Street Fighter and particularly Street Fighter 2 really were one of the sort of biggest or first games to properly establish those kind of... Uh, the, the, the things we enjoy about fighting games today. And Street Fighter 6 adds a world stage or a world tour mode, I think it's called. One of the two. And it's the first time, I believe, that a Street Fighter game has really pushed a narrative sort of one-player campaign uh, within the gameplay. Now, Street Fighter, it does have a story and background and the different characters have their objectives, but it's very much a kind of cutscene or instruction manual manufactured story. You don't get too much of that embedded in your usual Street Fighter game. And in this mode, you can create an avatar, you can create a sort of player version of yourself, 
and you have a coach by the name of Luke, who I believe was introduced as the la- one of the last DLC characters in Street Fighter V and a way to queue up Street Fighter VI. And in a way, it's a little bit like a mix between, well, Street Fighter, um, Pokemon, and Splatoon, because the you're teamed up, you have your avatar and you do your tutorial and training, and then there's another character called Bosch, who basically is the Gary to your avatar Ash, and Luke but is your Professor Oak, because he introduces this world hub, which is set in Metro City from... Now, that's Final Fight, right? And the mayor is yes. like Mike Hagar. And you basically go around this sort of Times Square-looking hub, which it just reminded me a bit because of the music and the style, a little bit like Inkopolis or, you know, the places you go to in Splatoon. Mm. And you can talk slash fight with different <laughs> residents of the city. You can go up to them and press X to talk or square to fight, and they'll just... Because it's I mean, like that's a... how I view interacting with most people. <laughs> I put out my hand. Is it going to be a handshake? Is it going to be a fist? Yeah, I think sort of interacting with most other people in London is a bit like, will I end up in this in a conversation or end up in a brawl? I was um, getting massive Pokemon vibes before you even mentioned it. I really envisaged you like training an E-Honda and like breeding <laughs> him and like getting lots of E-Honda eggs and things. And... I mean, Blanker in a way does his little cannonball. That's like a Pokeball. He's um, pretty much Pikachu. <laughs> his electric attacks. Blanca! True! Um, it would be odd if he did Detective Blanca and <laughs> Ryan Reynolds' voice came out of him, out of this like, mutant green man. Um, but it's, it's the same kind of prospect because everyone is kind of up for a fight and you can just walk around and engage with them. And there's little missions. Um, it's like, fight these two guys or get some food or buy some clothes so it's, it's very like most, much like all oh, right i was gonna say it's mostly fight objectives but no you can get clothes okay i'll stop um, interrupting you this sounds great though yeah i, I think it's a really I, I think my problem with what i've experienced with the street fighter games in the past and i think fighting games in general is that there's there's you hit this kind of ceiling of technique and i'm not a, the best fighting person but as soon as things get too technical um I just kind of like zone out and I think the problem is is that when you do the sort of tutorial missions in you know past fighting games it just says put these buttons in but it doesn't tell you sort of how it doesn't sort of you know give you an indication of the best way to sort of approach yeah, even the, even the demo making a combo even when you're in like training mode they just show you the buttons and then the computer does them perfectly and mm. stuff and I think that's what this game you know i'm sure street fighter you know pros would consider this a bit handholdy and there is also you can choose between classic controls which you have like light punch uh, medium punch or you know you have this sort of different weights or you can do modern controls which simplifies it but still allows you to do most of the move sets so i think it's a really nice way to really um I guess revitalize Street Fighter and bring in, you know, those who maybe have felt previous games and they see the pros in action and they're talking about, you know, the hit boxes and, you know, the uh, frames per second that you need to do in order to block an opponent's move. Um, so I, I'm, I'm intrigued. I don't know if I'll necessarily get it 
right away. I've got too many other games to play, but I think it was a fun demo, and I, I think it really sold the idea of what it's it's trying to achieve. Mm. I can't wait to play it. Is it coming out for the Nintendo Switch? I do not believe so. Never mind then. <laughs> <laughs> but this film we're talking about today, uh, I think, was released around about the time, or certainly influenced by Street Fighter Five. Four. I think. Oh, is it? Okay, never mind then. Street Fighter 4 was the last mainline franchise game I played. I think we discussed our history, of course, in previous Street Fighter episodes. But when the film title card came up, I was kind of intrigued how they just sort of copy and pasted the Street Fighter logo from 4 um, <laughs> on there. Uh, but, yeah, I was reading the trivia earlier. There's, there's, a, there's not many characters. I say not many. There's eight name Street Fighter characters in this film. But, you know, that was a choice because a lot of the time they try and put every fighter they can into these films. Um, I read that one character was more influenced by a Street Fighter 4 character called C. Viper. And coincidentally, there was actually a Street Fighter 4 animation released in conjunction with the game called The Ties That Bind, which I think is a more... Well, I guess with the anime's more sort of faithful rendering of the video game and, you know, features a Chun-Li that looks like Chun-Li and a Ryu and, you know, using the same logos as Street Fighter 4. So it's very much like a, a, a companion piece to the mm. game, whereas I think this film is more like a kind of um, transmedia. Um, we've got some <laughs> money to make a... Street Fighter movie? It's just like, I it guess there's like a game coming over, out. Leftover money from the Street Fighter 4 budget. <laughs> um, yeah, possibly. So, yes. I haven't actually seen Street Fighter 4 The Ties That Bind. Um, I actually only just discovered it looking up to confirm the date that Street Fighter 4 came out. So that shows how great research that I've done for this episode. Um, but, uh, yes, Street Fighter The Legend of Chun-Li is... It's, it's clearly in conjunction with, but its own thing in relation to Street Fighter 4. I just remember this just coming out. And this is back when... I mean, there was some distance. It had been over 10 years, I mean, more like 15 years since the last Street Fighter live-action movie came out, which uh, I think came out in 94. And so I guess I didn't really realise how... I wasn't really cognizant of how this was kind of connected in in the wave of street fighter 4-ness so this to me just seemed like why are you making a street fighter live action movie have we not learned from the last one which again i put i've now said on record i really do enjoy uh it just seemed and i think in the uk at least there was definitely did it get released in cinemas or is it i'm unclear on that i think if there was a theatrical there's no way to know No possible way to know. No one's alive to remember. Um, if it did, then it, it came and went. It came and went. So I, I think I was talking earlier about what characters feature in this. We've got we've got our Bison. We've got our Chung Li. We've got our Balrog. We've got our Vega. We've got Jen. Or is it Gen? I forget. Gen. Gen. And I can't remember there's nash it's oh right i had no idea if nash was like a part of the games 
Yeah, and as you sort of uh, allude to, there is a character called Detective Maya Sun E who is meant to be Crimson Viper from Street Fighter Four. Um, right. So the connections are there, at least in name, if not necessarily appearance or personality. But um, <laughs> we'll get onto that, I'm sure. Mm. Um, but you mentioned the the 1994 Street Fighter film, and I, I think in terms of the genesis of this picture. Um, when this film was announced, um, the screenwriter Justin Marks, who was this was his first uh, feature film, he explained the uh, notion of this film. Think Batman Begins to Batman and Robin, in comparison right. to the 1994. I think he was referring to it more in terms of this is separate to uh, that 1994 Street Fighter in story and also in tone and I think in purpose um, but also sort of wild to compare what you're doing to yeah. <laughs> something like Batman Begins and well, interestingly all, I didn't see any nipples I don't think all the nipples had gone from the costumes no one oh, had okay. any nipples on their outfits I'm, I'm yeah <laughs> I, I was just trying to think if there was any sort of at least topless men which may have flashed a, a, a nipple Were at any point any topless men come on we need to think about this we need to grade these films on top business. I, I, um, I finished watching it this morning. There was another like twofer where I watched half one, one half last night. Was there any nipples? There was a there was a, a shower scene, but by which I mean a post shower scene. So someone leaves a shower, but no nipples. All right, I'll 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 park this for now. <laughs> So Justin Martz, screenwriter, he has gone on to write the John Favreau Jungle Book movie. And he is also Academy Award nominated as one of the screenwriters for Top Gun Maverick, which we mentioned in our Battleship episode. So he's gone on to um, work for IPs. Bigger things, Again. I was Bigger going to say. <laughs> he was developing at the time a new version of Masters of the Universe and Voltron, and neither of those came to fruition. So Street Fighter <laughs> was his sort of first um, his first feature film uh, released. So, yes. I'm going to sort of, the next time he does like a regular drama or something not connected to IP, I'm going to look for those Voltron influences. Going to be like... I've just got to tell you something. What is it, June? I'm a Voltron. <laughs> oh, he can't. No, he can't use Voltron. I'm a Zoltron. I'm Voltron from Wish. Uh, <laughs> I'm made up of smaller uh, vehicles. I don't know. See, I think that's a Transformer. I couldn't. I actually don't know Voltron well enough to know if he's Voltron. But isn't Voltron like just little uh, spaceships? All combining together to make one big I robot. Know. I feel like I'm on more difficult territory than I was with a nipple question earlier, so maybe we should move on. But he does seem to be kind of obsessed with... Uh... Well, I'm talking to someone who's now done 120 episodes based on very ga- video game movies, so maybe she'll just check herself <laughs> when I talk about being obsessed with IPs. So, um... Well, I mean, in terms of um, IPs, the director... Um... Polish director Andrzej Bartkowiak, I'm going to say. Um, 
He started off as a cinematographer for films like Speed and Falling Down, Twins, Species, to I name a few. That name, yeah. But he was also the director of Romeo Must Die, Cradle to the Grave, Exit Wounds, and most pertinent to this podcast, Doom. Right. No, he directed... Did he direct Doom, did you say? Yes, he directed... Right. No, that's where I recognise the name from, obviously. Um, the Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Carl Urban, Rosamund Pike, Dexter Fletcher, Doom movie. What have you got against Dexter Fletcher? Why wasn't his, his name first? <laughs> Dexter Fletcher's Doom. I'm going by who would have appeared on the front of the DVD box. Yeah. So, um... Do we have anything more to say about the the gen, the gen assist of this uh, video game movie before we dive right in? Well, I think we should maybe just mention in terms of its reputation, um, because while Street Fighter 1994 is commonly held up as an example of a video game movie gone wrong due to its um, general wrongness, General Rognus. <laughs> I think that was a character in the movie. Captain Guile, report to General Rognus. That sounds like a Star Wars villain. Every time <laughs> I see, what is it, General Litter or something on a bin. Darth Sidious or... Yeah, jeez Louise. Um, yeah, anyway, Star Wars, man. Yeah, moving on. So, yes, while Street Fighter, you know, has in more recent years being reevaluated as you know an attempt to do something and and you know Raul Julia as bison is obviously heralded as as one of the great sort of of super villain performances of all time and it's a film that we we do enjoy and and find very endearing on this podcast whereas legend of chunli those who even know of its existence cuz i don't think many people do it's a legend whispered it's more of generations more of of a myth (laughs) or folk tale um it's it's those who are aware of it i think it's 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 weird because it's it's often regarded as one of the worst video game movies and indeed in the rotten tomatoes list of uh 50 video game movies it appears at 49 uh sandwiched between two uve bowls House of the Dead at 48 and Alone in the Dark at 50. So it has, like, for those who are aware, it has a pretty rotten reputation. And I think even if you don't know whether the film is good or not, the poster for the film is maybe one of the worst. Is that the one with the white background? Yeah, it's got silhouetted two fighters. One is clearly a man and i believe is meant to look like charlie nash and the other one is wearing a vega mask so it doesn't really feature chun li very prominently at all and in the silhouettes they've superimposed just like the character faces mm. and it, it's kind of like those really awful x-men that's the thing Posters. Uh, he's holding the picture up to the microphone, ladies and gentlemen, My- so we can I- see I'm it. I'm not holding it up to the microphone. That'd be weird. I'm holding it up to the camera. <laughs> yeah, I know. No, I know the poster. So, you know, get that out of my face. Um, but yes, you, you clock. that's the first thing I thought when I saw that poster. It's those X-Men first class posters where a silhouette or Professor X has like 
James McAvoy peering out of it, like he's staring through your Professor X shaped letterbox. It's um, yeah, it's it's like someone signed off on that. But I've seen, I think at least on Letterboxd and things, it's got you can get different posters, but none of them are great. Um, yeah, my hopes weren't high going into this film. But uh, do you have a a back of the box to examine at all? So yes, this is the back of the um, UK and Ireland DVD release, because it has the Irish Film Classification Board and BPFC. Uh, uh, 15 certificates contain strong martial arts, violence and threat. I think this might be from the Unleashed and Unrated edition. I'm not sure. I don't Uh, know which one I watched actually now. Yeah, we'll we'll get on to what it seems pretty, kind of leashed <laughs> <laughs> and rated. Um, so yes, leashed and rated edition. <laughs> <laughs> so the back of the box reads: Moving from America to Hong Kong, young Chun Li is trained to be a concert pianist and mastered in the ancient art of self-defense by her father, but her idyllic childhood is shattered after her father is kidnapped by evil crime lord Bison and his ruthless gang of assassins. Many years later, Chun-Li has become an accomplished pianist. After the death of her mother, the arrival of a strange ancient Chinese scripture and a violent incident involving a man with a spider tattoo, Chun-Li realises her true destiny and begins a quest that goes beyond revenge. Using the strength of a warrior, the stealth of a predator, and the wisdom of a master, Chun-Li will save her father and unleash an unstoppable rage upon those who have done her wrong. Starring Kristen Crook, Smallville's Lana Lang, in her most explosive film. In life, there is beauty. And there is terror. One must not overwhelm the other. To embrace both. You'll need the strength of a warrior. The stealth of a predator. And the wisdom of a master. Once you have found your power, you must decide what you fight for. Okay. I like how the video box made it very clear that she was a, a pianist as a child and she becomes like a, a well-known pianist later. It's very important. You could have actually not mentioned that and saved on your word count. <laughs> yeah. Saved a no, little ink. <laughs> they're going for that um, classical music market. Um, so, hey, Rory. A, lo- a lot of action films do that, don't they? They have like... Um... I don't know, like ballerinas becoming assassins and um, 
it's like this incongruity of like the sensitive portrayal of of art and the the horrific violence that they meet out on those who wronged them. I just pretty enjoyed how like the whole way through the film, like everyone's acting like Chung Lee is like nobody knows her. They keep calling her a schoolgirl, and I don't know any famous like pianists myself. But next time I'm watching the proms. I'm going to just imagine how many people in the wind section have this vendetta that they're currently engaged with. <laughs> like there's a French horn I... coming through down an alley. Like what's that noise? <laughs> I'm looking forward to the to the Lang Lang revenge movie. <laughs> Lang Lang, not seeing yeah, no you more d- classical musicians. He's a famous pianist. That's all yo, I'm saying. Yo yo, uh, I'm just I know yo yo ma, ma cellist. Yeah, yo yo massacre. Well, spoilers for this film, but at no point does Chun-Li drop a grand piano on anyone's head, cartoon style. That's a shame. (laughs) But hey, Rory, what did you think of uh, Street Fighter, The Legend of Chun-Li? So Street Fighter, The Legend of Chun-Li, I was working out how to watch it and decided to buy it. (laughs) With your eyes, your face, your fist, your... (laughs) I was working out the method with which to um, purchase or or rent it, and I saw it was on YouTube, and you know it was three pounds forty nine to rent or a fiver to buy, and I thought, well, I'll just buy it because you know may need to rewatch it or or whatever for research reasons, and it was only afterwards I discovered that the whole film is legally and officially available to watch for free on the Studio Canal UK YouTube channel. Are there any other films which Studio Canal has for free? I don't know. They have this one. Just I didn't <laughs> I didn't check the channel to see what other movies I was no. missing out on. Yeah, that's so that's a bit of a worrying thing when you uh when you see they don't want to make any money off it. Yes. Um, unfortunately, yes, I found that out after I'd purchased and watched this movie. And that just was like rubbing salt into a wound. Because Street Fighter The Legend of Chun-Li may actually be the worst film I've seen for this podcast. Oh god, it's your battleship. It is my battleship. Because... You found your Waterloo. (laughs) I was trying to think of... I was looking through the list, and usually when I think of what's the worst film we've seen, I usually gravitate towards Wing Commander, just because it was one of the early ones, and that was just so boring. But with this film, I'm really struggling to pinpoint any moment or thing about it which isn't sort of utterly irredeemable. And I think this commits the sin of being... Not only nothing really like the games, which is it's not necessarily, you know, you can have something which is not faithful and very good, or you can have something which is slavishly faithful and really bad. Um, but it's just, everything about it is like really badly thought out, really badly put together, and just a real slog to get through. And if I, I'm just... There are moments which we'll talk about which did make me chuckle and made me like, I can't, you know, what the fuck and all this kind of stuff. Like, there are fun things to talk about. So this isn't going to be a drag to get through necessarily in this conversation. I don't know whether for you listeners it will be a drag for you to listen. I'm not sure. Um, But 
I, I, like even the Uwe Boll films I don't like, and I do like a few, um, even the Uwe Boll films I don't like, there are moments I can think of which I like, oh, that was a kind of funky idea or that was so stupid, but it made me chuckle. And this is just this kind of like real flat line of entertainment, um, you know, at every conceivable moment. And it's a, I, I kind of liked that Doom movie. I know you didn't like it as much as maybe I did, but I quite liked the Doom movie. And I, I, I quite like maybe one or two of the cast members in this. And, you know, I, I, I was open-minded and I just really couldn't stand <laughs> my time. <laughs> with um, <laughs> this movie. <laughs> I just a nice turn of phrase there. I just imagine you sort of on the sofa. It's like, this this time I have, it's just, I can't stand it. Like, yeah, I wanted out. <laughs> you wanted out. Um, I had a great time with this film. <laughs> oh, here we go. Um, maybe, oh, right, where to begin? Um, so it's extremely not Street Fighter, but I would actually argue it feels very much like the plotting of a Street Fighter anime. You know, we're just following this character, just doing their own like vengeance quests. Like I said, she should be rehearsing for the flipping next piano concert, but she just sort of ghosts everyone and disappears. She basically does what Alicia Vikander does as Lara Croft in the Tomb Raider recent remake. Like her father is missing or or mm. you know presumed dead and she uncovers secrets and she basically sells up her big privileged mansion and lifestyle in order to sort of hit the streets of an asian oh did she sell that um, well it was weird because she goes to live on the streets of bangkok to live like the people of bangkok and she kind of gets that most people in bangkok kind of live in houses but she goes the batman begins route where she's like i need to live like the people live yeah i and... need to go where the people are <laughs> <laughs> well yeah so like credit to it for it like being a film set on the streets and having fighting on the streets unlike oh the God, 1994 yeah. street Fighter. i was like jesus christ an actual street fight happens <laughs> And, you know, so that's why I was I was interested to watch this film because of that and in relation to the Street Fighter VI game where it's like, yeah, we, we you know, the fighting stages are usually on a street or you have a crowd gathered around and that sort of thing. Um, but it's nice that Street Fighter VI has this kind of like, you know, you're hitting the streets to sort of like beat up crime in the city and that kind of stuff. and Smash a few cars. Smash a few cars uh, in the process, whether people like it or not. Um so anyway, go ahead. Well, so I actually enjoyed most of the performances as well. I found everyone quite engaging. I like the lead. Um, I forgot the actress's name. Uh, Kristen Kruick. Yeah. Kristen Kruick. Uh, here's the, I think they're going to be the big div- 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 uh, devising, devising, divisive. Sorry, at one point, uh, <laughs> M. Bison, he talks about transferring his conscience to something and I wrote down consciousness and I can just imagine it's just like <laughs> makes just himself brain out. dead <laughs> okay so M. Bison right I think he just referred to Bison all the time I can assume the M in this film refers to Michael because it's played by Michael Mc... is it Michael McDonough? No? Neil McDonough Neil McDonough the... so okay. it might refer to McDonough 
<laughs> anyway, I mean, at one point we see how M. Bison in his office has a massive painting of a bison. And I only can imagine what it would be like if he was still called Balrog in the Western edition. He's just got this big art installation from like Lord of the Rings. So yeah, this is my favorite film. <laughs> Balrog. But in the credits for the film, they they put side by side the English and Japanese version right. of the characters and the name. So it says Bison slash Balrog in brackets Japan, and they do that for Vader and Balrog oh, okay. in the actual credits. So like, oh, that was a see, touch. Hmm, did I ever see Balrog and Bison in the same room together? Oh yeah, all the time because Ooh. all Balrog <laughs> did was hand like M Bison. Okay, here's the thing: M Bison in this film is not M Bison. He is a gentleman who's always in sharp suits. Now, that's a choice. You can argue whether or not it's the right choice. But I actually was really impressed with Neil McDonough's just icy menace. But yeah, he, he doesn't... I Yeah, he's just paying, he is paying the businessman trope. I, I really got a chill. Like, he does, like, murder people in front of... He murders relation... He murders family members in front of people, like... And it's just freaking ice cold. But... Like he was, he's first introduced. He's viewed. I mean, he's described as this like powerful, dangerous man. It's really funny. Like Jen, who is like the trainer of Chung Lee in this movie, he's like they're talking about how dangerous Bison is. But for the first half of the film, he's just receiving like little notes from from Balrog saying this has just come in. And um, I think the first time that happens, uh, Bison is also just like beheaded loads of of gang. Uh, heads of families and then Balrog walks in and says this just came in I'm like well, did the postman just stand over lots of dismembered corpses like uh telegram <laughs> okay so I like, think he okay. was just he was just waiting for the right time to move it's just like has he has has have all the heads been cut off so yeah, yeah okay now now I'll go in now I I'll mean, go in with the envelope I was pretty disappointed how Balrog wasn't wearing boxing gloves at all times like he did in the anime but then he did like to hand lots of little post-it notes to Bison <laughs> and it would have been a real, just stick it on the end of the glove. Come on, man. Yeah, but, just you know, fumbling. I liked Michael Clark Duncan. I miss him, you know. Um, I love his voice and look and presence. Um, he does you know, smile a lot and laugh a lot in this movie. So at least, you know, at least like, it looked like he was having a good time. I mean, you're, you're shooting a rocket prepared you're shooting a rocket-propelled grenade at someone, you, you're going to be happy. Like, how often do you get to do that? I know you've done it, but I haven't. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Vega, I mean, he doesn't really look like Vega. Again, he's not... He's played by Taboo and not a Spaniard. From the Black Eyed Peas. I did not know that. And, and like, it's just in terms of this, because this is, like... Like X-Men Origins Wolverine starring Will I Am from the Black Eyed Peas, this is right. a, an origin story and maybe, you know, was potentially hoping to lead towards other legends of other Street Fighter characters right. and then Avengers Assemble style unite them into some Street Fighter movie. I don't know how far down the line that was ever thought of, but this definitely feels like it's a kind of a tease of Street Fighter characters to come. But speaking of Taboo and... I was looking at the Street Fighter wiki, and it says differences between the film and the games. Chun-Li is an American of Chinese descent as opposed to a native of China. Chun-Li's father is a business person instead of a police officer. Charlie is an Interpol agent instead of a soldier in the US Army. Vega is a plain-looking Latino as opposed to an attractive Spaniard. And I thought, hang on. That's a dig. (laughs) Well, in the film, 
Like that's really well, no. I, if I was taboo, I'd be hurt. But there was a few lines where Michael Clark, Dark Clark Duncan is described as like ugly, and and taboo is described as ugly. If in the parent in the games, he wears a mask because he's vain. But there's a line in this film which implies he hides his face because with the mask. But anyway, I think that was Chun Li just doing so because she was being rude and she's being mean hey that's that's really offensive come on now (laughs) i didn't slight your looks no and you're pretty i was just trying to kill you with my claw (laughs) um i like his look i mean again the you You mean jason x i mean here's the thing no one looks like the characters either really uh like literally the one point chung lee has like a hair in like those twin bun things she has so that's the closest we get but i thought Vega did sort of look kind of cool in a Batman Begins sort of way. I mean, again, it did really. I really got that vibe. Um, and I found um, the lady playing Chung Lee, whose name I forgot again. Kristen so Kruick. Kristen Kruick. I'm going to write that down. K K. <laughs> yeah, just Kruick. call it KK. <laughs> yeah, I mean, with these sort of films, these quest films. You want to have an engaging lead, and I just found her engaging. And, and if you compare her, we mentioned Lara Croft earlier. I, I found Alicia Vikander not terribly engaging in that film, so I enjoyed her. I will say the only character or actor who's monumentally miscast seems to be Chris Klein. To the point I couldn't work out. I think halfway through, I was like, "Is he taking the piss? Is he like?" Is he... Because sometimes you talk about actors who know what film they're in. Like, especially if it's a silly movie. But this film kind of takes itself seriously. And I think maybe Chris Klein thought he was in a silly movie. But that's sort of giving him too much credit. He does seem to be... He, You mentioned the Uwe Boll Alone in the Dark. He's playing this sort of weird, badass, stupid character... Like he he introduces himself by saying, "Call me Nash," and I'm like, "Is is that your actual name?" <laughs> Do you say? I mean, I don't meet people that say, "Call me Harry," because that sort of implies it's not my name. So, what's I that write, about? I did write down in my notes. I did say Christian Slater, Alone in the Dark vibes, because it's this mm. very intense weird performance and Chris Klein is probably better known for like being that sort of lovable dumb jock himbo character in the American Pie movies and in Election and you know he's very good at doing that and here I think it was like his attempt or he was directed to just be imagine you're like a really tough guy <laughs> and it's just like this and, and maybe it's I, I think in a American way Pie branching out in a way, it is the standout performance of the film, and I think it's not necessarily a good one, but it's definitely there's definitely something to it. And I think you know when I was looking at Letterbot's reviews of this film, it's just like this is an awful movie, Charlie Klein innocent and Chris Klein innocent and all this kind of stuff. Because I think people just like vibe with just how weird like his See, performance. Maybe he's the thing. I was vibing with everyone else, but I did not like. We spend half, you know, we know Nash is going to meet, you know, Nash and Chung Lee are going to meet up. But like for a lot of the film, they're like approaching Bison from different sides. And I just found his stuff 
it's really crap. I mean, he starts to like really want to get it on with um, who's her Maya? Maya played by someone Bloodgood. What's her amazing name? Uh, Moon Bloodgood. Moon Bloodgood. Um, I was just like, they just start. They have a, like a meet cute, and they start fantasy fantasizing each other, and I was like, okay, okay come on. Yeah, they just need to get there to is... the pole dancing already. And by pole, I mean use your imagination. It's uh, yeah, pretty weird. There is a moment when they're doing a stage out and Nash just full-on forces a, a snog on yeah, Maya. Yeah, the old, like, to, we need a distraction to, so no one looks at us. But it was also, no one was looking at you anyway, and no <laughs> one would care. Like, you're so far away. Mm. Those bodies piled up in the harbor. They were the heads of the ruling crime families of Bangkok, correct? Yes. Uh-huh, right? And now they're all dead except for one. His name's Bison. And I've tracked him through 11 major cities on four continents and never come close, not once. This guy walks through the raindrops. But I will say, I, in terms of the performances, I'm not necessarily... The reason I didn't like the film isn't because of necessarily one performance here, one performance there. And I didn't think Kristen Truett was bad at all. I think it was a fine performance for the film and for the role. And I think she's an engaging enough presence. I think it's just the film around her and everything she's forced to do and the interminable um, voiceover that, you know, runs throughout... Just, it's like, it's so unnecessary and so dull with it. And yeah, yeah. There's and definitely, I, there was definitely a lot of, she was telling us while we we're also seeing it. And yeah. Just, you could trust us. I understand she's living on the streets. She's eating some dodgy looking chicken while sitting in the street. I think, I think there's bad stuff that people do. And I think a lot of it's down to poor direction, poor dialogue, just budget and limitations and just a sort of joyless watch <laughs> but there there i i will i will pick out some bits i did um appreciate as we go through but should we go into the spoiler realm yeah but just just remember this before we go to spoilers let's get through this only in darkness do all colors become one I don't is that know that a line means. from the film? That is a line from the film. <laughs> yeah, right. There's loads of, I agree, there's loads of really crap wisdom dialogue in this film. So many people speak in like story metaphors and, and stuff. Yeah, I, there's some choice ones I'll get onto later. But um, yeah, so the way this starts with a shot of the Golden Gate Bridge, which immediately gave me the room vibes. <laughs> Like, that's well, really... no, the first shot what about like Hyde Park Entertainment which made this film which is like Tower Bridge it's like this is fully yeah. bri- bridge based opening I like it no, nowhere near Hyde Park but thank you um, <laughs> so there's there's uh, the back of the bots kind of explains the setup so I won't go into too much detail about the sort of the monologuing but I, I don't know why we start in San Francisco and then like seconds later go to Hong Kong it's just like yeah. Why not start in Hong Kong unless wasted, you wanted reference the room? <laughs> I, was, I wasted precious ink in my pen writing, oh, we're in San Francisco. Yeah. But 
it yeah, like I said, it is this sort of Tomb Raider twenty thirteen. Was it twenty thirteen? It came out. No, God, no, we've not been doing this no, for ten years. We haven't, yet. haven't been doing this ten years yet. Uh, Tomb Raider, you know, Elizabeth kind of thing, where it's all about the dad, and she doesn't know what he does for a living, but knows that they had to move around a lot. Um, so home was always where her family was, and them learning sort of Tai Chi and then the art of Wushu together brings them closer together. Uh, as they growing up was like a dream, but nothing lasts forever, is what she says. Um, but then cut to an arrow being launched into their kitchen and Balrog punching through the glass and there's a fist fight and Balrog and Bison basically show up to kidnap um, Papa Papa Lee. I like how um, <laughs> like Papa Lee is also teaching Chung Lee martial arts as well as piano. And then in his big sort of martial arts moment when uh, Michael Duck Duncan is like coming at him, he sort of just like jumps, but like like, like as if he wants to be caught by 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 uh, Barog. It's like the most ineffectual, like weak ass leap you've ever seen. The sort of leap you do where you don't want to like damage your kitchen or like it's not a life and death situation. So it's a yeah. nice house. He doesn't want to. <laughs> it is trash I'm it. T- I mean, I'm just quite surprised how good Chung Lee turns out to be at martial arts afterwards. Um, but yeah, it was. Does that take place in? No, that takes place is now is now in Hong Kong, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And while Chung Lee is is obviously worried about what happened to her father, there's a flashback where her father has given her a a necklace which has a spinning bird. And he yeah. explains that it's all about the the bird is spinning and it's so it may never be caught. And I actually really like that. I really like the pendant and I like how she's wearing it throughout. So every time I saw it, she's like, oh, father, I'm thinking of my father. It's a nice or... pendant. I'm sure if this film was the financial success it, it wanted to be, we'd all be wearing <laughs> well, spinning bird kick pendants. You know, maybe... They did so badly. I can get it. I can get the actual prop off eBay. Um. <laughs> um, but yes, we're in present day, and this is where we have Chun Li, the concert pianist, playing in a very obviously blue-screened concert mm. hall with a very static. I know, like a con- a piano concert, isn't everyone going woo and like shaking their hands and clapping and cheering? But it's it's a very very static. That's where I go. <laughs> background, um, and it's an open top piano. And I don't know enough about pianos, but I'm pretty sure if you're playing the piano and you can see like the strings and the whatever it's called, sort of hitting the strings to create the They're piano sounds. You really don't know much about pianos, do you? I know Lang Lang, and you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, again, point taken. Um, but I'm pretty sure that. When you play the piano, the hammers hit the strings. And at no point did I see any movement within this open top piano as she's playing it. So unless she's playing it incredibly softly and I've missed something, I don't think she's actually playing the piano in that scene. Maybe she thinks she is, but her her mother, who's almost dead, has been like this entire time been playing like music out of the end of the piano. I don't know. It'd It'd be funny if she just like... You get to the end of the scene and then she just removes the earphones and the piano <laughs> music stops playing. Well, just you like, know... Oh, I'm just sat here cleaning the piano. 
I did like the scene when she goes to like the dressing room or whatever and like someone's brought some flowers and an ancient scroll for you. <laughs> and she's like, oh, I get these all the time. Like she puts it to her ancient scroll collection. <laughs> now this ancient scroll, um, did I miss something or do we ever find out who actually sent it? I'm going to say everything's to do with Gen because like <laughs> for like a few times we see Gen... She like she passes someone being beaten up, and then like she passes someone like doing some mopping in the street. Then she sees someone being beaten up again. I'm only can assume that again is like a a known paedophile, and so people keep like, "What? It's him!" <laughs> like let's kick the crap out of him. I don't. He gets kicked. The crap gets kicked out of him a lot, and I, and I think it's sort of a test so that Chung Lee. Uh, comes to his aid and he show and and she proves she's pure of heart. God knows what the plan would have been if she like perpetually ignored him and like oh god, I was really hoping Chung Li would want to like fight save her dad, but she seems kind of like really not interested in helping anyone but herself. I mean, yeah, when they do funny me, he says like we've been watching you for some time. Yeah, he's got but... this justice organization not called Interpol. I thought it would have been fun if he was like, oh, I created Interpol. <laughs> but he's played by Robin Shu. Yes. Mortal Kombat. Liu Kang. Uh, with his appearance in this, it means that he's been in Mortal Kombat, DOA, Dead or Alive, because he pops up in that briefly, mm-hmm. and Street Fighter. So, you know, the Triforce is complete, I yeah. guess, unless they make a Soul Calibur movie. I like how he stole Christopher Lambert's wig and dyed it so he could wear it for this <laughs> film. Because he's yeah. basically the mentor character. And one thing I liked about Gen is that he was a rare mentor character who isn't always, like, negging his, like, apprentice. Like, you always get yeah, Yoda or someone else. I'm trying to think of another mentor. But usually... Mr. Miyagi, I suppose, from the Karate Kid, they're always like, you're never going to be good enough, or you're pretty shit, or, <laughs> you know, I've got a <laughs> lot of shit, work mate. to do. <laughs> I'm actually in the middle of um, Ted Lasso, because that's coming to the end, and you've got, like, Roy Kemp going, you're fucking useless! <laughs> um, but he's, like, really supportive, and she's a quick learner. He's really impressed. And, you know, Robin shell has got, like, he's got a real twinkle. So I just I was very pleased to have positive reinforcement in her, in my vengeance training. Yeah, I don't know how positive reinforcement it is if, like, the vengeance training includes him throwing marbles at her blindfolded. Yeah. Which, which is fine up until the point he introduces, like, a bandsaw... Which she almost stumbles into, and then he comes at her with a sword while she's trying to avoid having her face sliced open. Come on, when Obi Wan does it with his like training ball, it's fine. But when yeah, that's just like little electric zaps. Yeah, but Luke was literally holding a bandsaw type weapon. If he had like pointed that at his own face, um, there would have been two like Luke Skywalker's. But. But she she pulls off her training, doesn't she? She gets a few hard knocks from these metal balls, but um, she almost immediately starts capturing capture. She captures them, right? 
And I just thought, I was really expecting later on in the film where Michael Clark Duncan shoots a rocket-propelled grenade. Gosh, I'm stumbling over my, my syllables here. When Balrog shoots a rocket... Pro- when Balrog shoots just a missile... RPG. Just say RPG. Uh, what was that bit in... Fucking... Uh, oh, whatever. Hey, so when Balrog shoots um RPG at Gen's training place i expect again to like grab the missile <laughs> perhaps that's what he did when it exploded his hands that whole rpg thing is very like punisher war zone because like balrog sends in bison's thugs to take out chun li who again has said go get some shopping because he's sort of spidey sense that there's mm-hmm. thugs approaching he's got a web on and his hand so he's got then his, uh... yeah order of the web um so he fist fights a bunch of Bison's thugs, and then like Balrog, thirty seconds later, is so bored by the prospect that he's just like, "Give me the RPG," and they're like, "But sir, there's our thugs in there," and he's like, "I don't care," and he yeah. just blows up the whole place. I just, I don't think I should ever own an RPG because, one, like Balrog, once you have one, you kind of really want to use it. <laughs> and it's a real itchy trigger finger. You brought it here. It's like, oh man, I've just needed an excuse. When am I gonna have another opportunity? to use this and like the henchman could have been like uh, maybe before we sent all our moat men in there <laughs> it could have been a good idea um but so i guess gen has enlisted chun li because um they they know the order of the web knows that they've taken her father and her father is unclear exactly what he's doing we just know he's yeah. a business person but he is doing clearly some kind of tech stuff for bison whose grand plan is to basically clear out the slums of the waterfront slums of bangkok um and he's sort of buying out the sort of like local board of directors and and that kind of stuff in order to turn the slum area into shadowloo or shadowlau uh territory to which Balrog says, location, location, location. Yeah, which he loves that show. is a bit of a... It, he loves that show. Um, but, uh, yeah, and the, the, the idea being that sort of Bison himself, he grew up in the sums and grew up in the streets. So it's all this kind of like business, corporate property corruption, and Chun-Li's dad is helping him under duress in this sort of prison lair, and is doing so because... Every now and then, buy some gifts and a USB with some, uh, like automatic Google, um, Microsoft slideshow of of her like playing the piano every now and then, so she can see he can see her, um, He's grow up decent from of afar him for doing that because he could have just got. I mean, imagine if like Chang Li was not very good, he would like maybe like done some Photoshop, uh, put some different music on that. We've already pretty much confirmed Chang Li isn't playing that piano. <laughs> but um, I actually really, again, I sense that you weren't so interested in like his big plot. But this, I felt, was a rare occurrence where we kind of learn why Bison is what he, where he is. I mean, we get a flashback to Baby Bison. We see Baby Bison in the crib, and his parents were like Irish missionaries, and he got ill, and they like abandoned him in the slums. But I will say one thing I noted down: we have so many villains in our video game movies and we only really ever see how they affect the protagonists but here is a man 
who wants to basically terrorize people out of their own homes and we see how this is genuinely affecting people and like that it leads to a sort of I'll say a peasant's revolt. I don't want to refer to them as peasants, but there's a moment where, like, um, I think Michael Clark Duncan is in pursuit of Chung Lee. Shots are fired. Kid almost gets shot. And then there's been this simmering undercurrent of, like, how people are just not liking this. And then it all spills over. And I don't know. I think in this day and I age... Mean, I mean, enjoy- I enjoyed it when Michael Clark Duncan got hit on the head by a piece of fruit. I mean, who, that is always <laughs> worth doing. Um, yeah, it's basically evil gentrification. Is that never not evil? <laughs> but no, I, I, for this day and age, I just like seeing um, just a bad businessman and you kind of see how his badness is affecting everyone. You know, he's not Robert Patrick in the Double Dragon movie where he just really wants this amulet. He's got shit he wants to do and Chung Lee is the fly in the ointment I mean Chung Lee's dad he describes uh him as the milk that's of my business I don't know what that means he says your father has been the milk of my business but even milk has an expiration date and then he snaps uh his the dad's neck right in Chung Lee's face like they are nose to nose so that's what I meant when it's like really cold um does render the whole film is like a waste of time. <laughs> She's like, that's your mission over. I love family reunions. Don't touch her. If you touch her again, you get nothing more from me. Do you understand? Oh, I understand. You see, your father has been the milk of my business. But even milk has an expiration date. No, no, don't. I am a man of my word. No, please. I promised him he'd have a chance to say goodbye. No, no please, no, no. You will not stop me. Well, can we just go back to that line? Because that broke my brain. <laughs> and, and I mentioned it to my wife and it like ruined her night because we just, we were trying to understand <laughs> what, I want to go to this, I want to speak to Justin Marks and just like, what do you mean? To break that line down, your father was the milk of my business. Okay, what does that even mean? That's I get it when it's... The milk of my business. I I understand what he means by that in the sense he's the golden goose or like, you know, he's the gift that keeps giving. He's this kind of like important, you know, the lifeblood of my organization would make sense. But He's got a LinkedIn account. That's it. (laughs) They specifically mention milk. And Mm. the reason why they speak of milk is because they want to, you know, I didn't know it was like milk of human kindness or that kind of stuff. But... It's, it's like teeing up the next line. And the next line is, but even milk has an expiration date. Milk. Even milk. Famously, the thing that goes off, milk turning sour. Everyone knows milk has an expiration date. If it was like, oh, he's like, um, I don't know, 
like the biscuit of my business or something. It's like, but even biscuits have an expiration date. It'd be like, okay, that's weird. But yeah, I guess biscuits do have an expiration date. Milk famously has an expiration date. It's the food stuff which notoriously goes off. Unless it's UHT milk. Well, there's no demand of that because it's shite. <laughs> that's true. Um, I just... That, that, okay. Here's, that here's, maybe... here's what I'm proposing to you. Take that confusion and rage... And how it ruins like your wife's night. <laughs> Imagine that's like the last thing you hear before your neck gets snapped. And how to like <laughs> I'm the what of your business. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's Chung Lee. It's like that's the last thing my dad heard. Uh, like ill thought out <laughs> and confusing statement, which I still don't understand to this day. I think I think there's just like clearly there's about three or four different metaphors all jumbled up together and very very confusing um i i, th- I think just a, a lot of this like a lot of this is just a, a, another case in point again when he meets chun li for the first time he's like you don't know what you're up against i'll tell you when you're ready because chun li wants to know well who's the person who kidnapped her father seconds later he's like oh i used to work for them um <laughs> she's ready <laughs> she's ready she's like Within the same conversation, practically, she's ready to find out. Okay, it's like I, I, I know, like the whole mentor thing is just like I will let you know when you're finally trained up. I'll tell you who you know you need to seek vengeance against. And it's just like, ah, now we're good. Yeah, I'll just tell you right now. Is it that guy I'm seeing on the news? I don't know. Here's the um. <laughs> no, I, I take your point again. I could see why that really got up your nose because it it does make little narrative sense, but. I would counter that there's loads of films I've been watching where people withhold information for like dramatic effects like oh well I'll tell you later and it's like but you know if you told them now I'm not talking about Star Wars The Last Jedi before the internet thinks that it is usually just a mysterious mental or like, I'm not ready to tell you my tragic yeah. backstory yet and I, I understand that but it's like do one or the other don't do both mm. Don't say, I'm going to withhold this information and then tell them anyway within like a few seconds of screen time. Just say, I'm going to tell you now. Here we go. (laughs) Um, I think there's just, uh, there's like so many things to me which just didn't really ring true. And I know like this is a Street Fighter film. Let's throw in some fireballs and energy balls and a Dawkins, but it's, they just do the training and Gen just does some training in the sand and creates a nice yin-yang uh, with his feet. And then it's just like, harness the energy around you. And they're already creating like fucking fireballs just out of nothing. <laughs> just like, I know they weren't oh. very convincing, but I like to see them. It's nice to see them, but I just don't know why they're there. Because nothing... If this film is attempting like a really grounded version of Street Fighter compared to 1994, 1994 has like ridiculous stuff happening, but doesn't have you know, people throwing fireballs all the time. This film, grounded, we're doing about, you know, evacuating the slums, we're doing corporate business, we're doing scandals and corruption, but also let's have some fireballs. And they just kind of, they're just there. I just I just don't know why they're there. Speaking One or the of, other. Speaking of grounded, uh, what did you think when you finally saw uh, the spinning bird kick in action? Oh, it was everything I thought it would be. <laughs> It's kind of like a handstand or doing the splits and turning very slowly. I look, I I know 
I mean, taking this through to its end point, I think if you ever depicted the actual spinning bird kick in live action, just to have someone's legs spinning as fast as helicopter rotor blades would also look ridiculous. I mean, to the point yeah. where you can lift yourself off the ground. But I feel there would be a better way to shoot that particular key moment when she does a spinning bird kick. In like a... I mentioned pole dancing earlier. There's like there's a pole dancing club or something they're playing music with where called street fighter there's like a street fighter rap happening um but we're talking about fighting now see another thing i liked and i didn't know the history of this director even though i'd seen one of his films previously for the podcast but i've forgotten i think it was shot for for its budget i thought it was shot quite nicely most of the action (laughs) you're shaking your head i think I mean, we've seen so many gunfights and fight sequences. I felt there's always at least one sort of interesting flourish, which kept me interested. It, yeah, an interesting flourish kept me interested, but I'm, I'm going to own it. I don't know. I felt like it was a film which was shot by someone who knew cinematography and, and knew martial arts. And, you know, I know the I, martial I, arts I'm... wasn't super great. It wasn't the best, but it... it I've seen some just trash, and I thought this was a little a cut above. I'm amazed that one could interpret that from this film, <laughs> but well, you know, I, I like, I, I guess the the moment, the only bit which okay, there's a bit when Chun Li breaks out of being captured and seeing her dad die. She does swing around on a rope for a bit, and that's all right. And I guess the moment which I just struck me most visually is um, when Chun-Li has hit the streets. Uh, there's a bit she's going through a street market and there's a train coming through the market. It's a bit like train pulling into a station, mm-hmm. you know, the original sort of silent movie short. They did the, they made and the remake. They did the remake, but they, they bolted out a bit by adding this revenge plot and <laughs> video game. <laughs> the adaptation of train pulling into station. Like, um, the origins of this train, their daddy issues. Like. Cinematic parallels. Um, <laughs> but yes, the train sort of goes through this this um, uh, this market. And as the train leaves, you know, people re-put the market together, like the awnings come out again and that kind of stuff. I liked that. That was... But I think that's just a thing that exists and they decided to film as opposed to mm. any kind of, like, visual or uh, creativity or imagination I mean, I liked um, this, on their part. I mean, this was shot in Thailand, I believe. And it, what I appreciated, I mean, one thing about Street Fighter is that you're going around the world. This felt like it was in, it felt like it was a real place. I'm sure there's lots of like pickup shots where they just shot somebody sort of sick on the street, probably having the worst day of their lives. And then they have no idea that it's ended up in the Street Fighter movie. Um, but... I don't know. I felt there's a, that when Chung Li is arrives in, I think it is Bangkok, and she gets basically she seems to be walking through the very street she her fighting stage from Street Fighter Two is, and I, I just appreciated that earthy nature, like comparing this to the ninety four movie. Uh, yeah, the, I, I like. It, it doesn't. Uh, that place doesn't seem like a real place. It seems like a, a mishmash, made up, you know, crappy place. 
Yeah, when she's in Hong Kong and she goes to find out about the scroll, and there's a cameo from Cheng Pei Pei, who um, is probably best known for Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. I think I'm talking about that scene, not Bangkok, Hong Kong. Yeah, um, yeah there's a nice bit of authenticity. It, you know, it feels lived in in a way that maybe other, you know, trashier films that we've also watched for the podcast don't really have you know yeah it's it's nice enough that you're making a street fighter film and you do have something that feels like a street as opposed to a set um or you know a studio lot or 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 whatever um but uh, you know unfortunately that doesn't sort of transfer to say the time when Chun-Li is sort of researching Bison and Shadaloo and she goes into an internet cafe and it's just like the website she look at of like the shittiest MS Paint newspaper <laughs> composition. Yeah, they do that thing then, like, where like a newspaper is is like the website. And then like later on, I don't know what the internet was like in 2009. I can't remember. I don't, I don't think it was... No one was around to... to... <laughs> to know Rory remember we back in those days the internet was black and white yeah um but uh and then like later on like Nash is also like she doesn't uh, he, when Chun-Li does the spinning bird kick in the in the nightclub and all this kind of stuff um Nash needs to sort of find out who she is and I don't know how he finds it but it seems like he just types in like spinning bird kick woman or something right. and again it's just like so Nash and Maya are like, we need to take to the streets and like show this picture, and no one's telling, no one's giving up because like they're all protecting Chun Li because she's their savior. <laughs> so he just like Googles that and like seems to find her right away. He's just really good at Googling. I mean, I 90% still percent of Interpol work is Googling. I mean, I, I, you know, I don't want to talk too much more about this movie, though. I know I seem to be more of a fan than you, but just a few things which did confuse me. And yeah, Nash again. I, I, it was because he wasn't a soldier. I didn't realize he was like a character. I guess I always call him Charlie rather than Nash. But um, you know, what am I trying to say here? I don't know he just just seems like a big old prick. And there's a moment when like, who's he? So he's Interpol, but who's like Moonblood's working for? Is it just like the police? Maya is local Bangkok. Um, police, I think yeah. they say like homicide division or something. Yeah, there's a scene when like Nash arrives at the office and it's like half of it's been packed away. Everyone's like packing up shop, and I'm just thinking, and like she says, yeah, yeah, we're ta- we're being taken off the case. Bison's too powerful, and I'm like, so when has Nash decided to show up for work today? Because like everyone's like been spending it seems like the morning packing things away. <laughs> so that was a he's bit... working on US time. Yeah, I guess so. Also. I mean, I, just, I guess we'll talk a little bit about the final act of this movie, which takes place at some docks. I saw lots of red and yellow crates. I was hoping they would be like lowered into like available slots, creating sort of a Puzzle Fighter 2 situation with all the gems. <laughs> but that didn't happen. Um, they... I so just want to... What, no, I would like to say just, just quickly, we, we find out through like, again, talking about Bison's backstory that bison when he grew up so he's he was like a baby bison abandoned we see a, cut a calf a calf <laughs> so bad i love it so much uh but then he becomes a teenager with bleach blonde hair stealing baskets of fish 
and then Tink Genner say like he he becomes like a master criminal or he becomes like a big time criminal and he basically steals a big basket of fish like the perfect okay, crime enjoy it while it like lasts so you could eat all that fish notoriously fish has an expiration date <laughs> it does have an expiration date um and then he meets a lady impregnates her which is a very romantic turn of phrase <laughs> and takes her to a mystical cave and he plans to transfer his con not his consciousness his conscience he gets Jiminy Cricket stuffs it right inside her oh sorry scratch that Ugh. they go to a mystic cave he transfers his conscience into her which I believe is meant to make him I wouldn't say pure evil but he's not going to let things like love get in the way of his uh big empire plans but then the from that point on we discover bison really loves his his daughter did i say he retransferred it too yeah he impregnates no (laughs) (laughs) look harry he's just convening with the mystical ancient dark forces of the penang cave it's not that complicated He, to free sorry, himself he trans- of his conscious, he transfers he, the goodness of his soul into his unborn conscious. daughter. Yes. The transformation was complete. He rids himself of his conscious by pulling the unborn daughter, removing yeah. straight from his wife's belly bloodily grounded. and holding it aloft. Grounded. So presumably his wife dies in the process and this baby, this child is represents all that is good about him turns out this is the white rose which is being delivered to these dots which is where yeah, they have one this of those kind of films. big sting operation it's and one... rose herself is a character in the street fighter franchise right. um i don't know whether she is actually the daughter of bison i don't know enough about it no i believe she uses not. like bison power psychic energy psycho stuff right okay so as i said grounded is the byword. <laughs> for this uh reboot but the my point is that bison having removed his conscious conscience and his goodness he actually shouldn't care about his daughter so it's like he removed his goodness so that he wouldn't care but he actually really cares and he says like a father has love for his daughter or something like that i don't know I mean, maybe a father has love for his daughter or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> so, great birthday card message to your to your child. Lots of love, Bison. <laughs> but no, um, what was I saying? So, I mean, you could argue that he it was like a, a deal with the devil. He actually didn't get exactly what he wanted. He has this sort of Achilles heel, but I think it's more that the plot is a bit confused at the end here fantastic isn't it all these waterfront slums will soon belong to Chatelain location 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 this came in from Romansk I think you're gonna like it it's the white rose how long has it been 15 years 17 years Four months and six days. Bring the package to Bangkok safely. There is no room for error. I got some bad news too. The schoolgirl's gone. We think she's in Bangkok, but don't worry, we'll find her. 
Did you know that big boats have pipes filled with um, freeze smoke in it? Because that's how Michael Clark Duncan bites the big one. He kicks the ice bucket. Isn't it called coolant? Well, I was trying to think. It's the sort of thing. What do you have? It. It is smoke. It's not dry ice. Steam. No. <laughs> but it's the stuff. If you put your hand in for too long, your hand would freeze. Oh, like nitroglycerin. I guess no. it's nitroglycerin. Mm, I can't remember. Wasn't paying attention in science class. Actually, just speaking of cold and hot hands during the big. Is it a Gen fight or is it the dad well, fight? Well, this is the thing. Gen is alive. He's like... they. He lives! Balrog explodes his whole apartment and everyone in it with an RPG. And we assume Gen is dead. And then he just pops up uh, again with no explanation. Just rescues Chun-Li. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then, like, Chun-Li's been, you know, shot at this point And he uses his energy power mm. to heal her wound. I don't know why he has to do it while she's soaking in a bathtub. That was odd. If he's going to heal a bullet wound, he gets what he wants. <laughs> and then she looks above her bath and her life meter just goes fully green. That's the magic of... Uh, I mean, if they had employed that, this movie would have been maybe 5% better. <laughs> if they had health bars throughout. Yeah. Hovering above their heads like they're Sims or something. Um, well, it looks like Barrow yes, really needs a bathroom. Gen, <laughs> Gen's back and yeah, he's the one who dispatches... Um, Balrog by putting a steam pipe to his face which is just done with like the crappiest effect like on his face I don't know Hmm. what they were trying to do I thought it was chilling (laughs) (laughs) why are you being so contrarian just like everything I hate about this film be like I thought that was actually very powerful <laughs> I just like to think that I'm the Chung Lee in this situation and you're Bison just try to get through this podcast uh, this is a like clearly terrible m- film Monster Hunter everything you l- liked about that film was like oh, abhorrent no. to me <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah so again fights Bison they, they go back to his Shadowlow headquarters in Bangkok they follow his chopper because he's got his daughter under lock and key now. He's got what he wanted. And they infiltrate the lair. Um, I, they, but, we haven't yeah. mentioned like how M. Bison's got like a model of Bangkok, which I was looking for the sign which said Bisonopolis, but sadly not present. No, no. Um, they do have a big old final fight. Not like that. Not like the game. Um and I'll say, like, I was pretty impressed. Yeah, I like the fighting in this. I was pretty impressed how it looks like Michael Clark Duncan and Neil McDonough could could fight and be a bit powerful. So I appreciated that. He beats the crap out of Gen at one point. And I didn't really, I, I must have been writing some notes, but I couldn't, didn't know if Gen had, like, broken his leg or anything. Because Gen then spends, like, the rest of the fight like lying on the ground and shouting advice to Chung Lee when I thought, you know, you know, you could actually get up and help her, but no, it's very important. She does this for herself. Yes. That's what happened. Like, he's like, you know, I'm going to sit the rest of this out, (laughs) (laughs) but I'm cheering you on from the sidelines. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) You can do it. That's, you know, uh, but Chung Lee, okay, you got to have liked this bit. Like she, she flies up into the air. She does a swing. She swings. She jumps on Bison's head and twists 
And then when we see Bison again, his head has been turned 180 degrees. So it's looking at the ground. <laughs> and I gasped. So I was like, <gasps> like Rose is watching as well. And like, I think everyone has this attitude like, well, you know, Bison killed my dad in front of me and he's the villain. But when I do it, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, Take everyone's like, chuff him. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's like Chun Li, you know. We all hated Bison, but that was too far. Yeah, you took it too far. They were like all of the cops were here. She'd already like energy ball propelled him off this ledge onto some scaffolding, like you know. And he landed in a such few a way, stories below. But he landed in such a way that you were probably thinking, has he been stabbed by like bits of scaffolding? Has he like fallen through a railing? But no, he was just sort of lying there. I don't think we had a budget for, like, railing. But it was, like, incapacitated enough to be taken in, you know. But, no, she needed the revenge, so I'm just going to, like, completely rotate his neck. <laughs> yeah. But earlier in the film, in, like, the pole dancing club or whatever, like, all these, like, security guards, like, descend on her. And she very handily like beats them up using that spinning bird kick. Eventually, like grabs one of them, one of their guns, and just point blank shoots him in the chest, killing her. And then Interpol cops come in, and I was just really thinking, you know, she could have easily just killed one of the good guys there because she wanted to get her murder on. I don't know. I think she probably wanted to. I think she was getting to a point where she wasn't really confident that she was going to kill bison so she wanted to kill like someone that night yeah she wanted to you know break the seal like yeah. scratch off that first murder yeah. so it's easier to finally kill someone you actually do want dead as opposed to just someone in your way and you know i like the gunfights as well i know it's a street fighter film but you know it's very odd sometimes when like Martial arts films feature people who only want to use punching and kicking when they're in a gunfight. And I know that's meant to imply they're so good they don't need guns, but I don't know, again, maybe if you had got an AK-47. just Or behind, an RPG. Yeah, or an RPG, just behind your incense sticks, just in case. Would have helped. That's not what the Order of the Web stands for. No. <laughs> we only... It's the hand, the fist, the heads. You're quoting the Sphinx again from Mystery Men, aren't you? I am. Um, <laughs> we do, we reject all rocket. Pro- <laughs> we reject all RPGs, even the turn-based stuff. <laughs> okay, Rory. Well, at least you don't have to watch this again. <laughs> well, <laughs> this film culminates with. Chun-Li returning to her Hong Kong mansion. And there's like these removal vans or moving boxes. So I don't know when she left for the streets of Bangkok. She just like sold up or put everything in storage, including her staff. It felt like a long weekend to me. Um, Bangkok holiday. Gen um, uh, appears again, as he's wont to do, and says there's more to be done. Something about the smells of an old friend. And he pulls out a newspaper clipping which says, Street Fighter Tournament, all fighters welcome. You know who you are and you know where to go. Which literally says smells. Yes. I thought he was going to pull out like Ryu's gi. Like his... (laughs) It's like, fuck me. It's it's ronks of Hadorkans. The way the uh, tournament 
you know, you know who you are and you know where to go. It sounds like one of those 90s illegal raves. It's just like you turn up mm. at this location and you'll get bussed to a field. Um, as, as long as it's all finished by 10 o'clock, everyone's happy. <laughs> um, but Gen says that they need to recruit and he's been... He's heard uh, talk of a fighter in Japan. Ryu something? Yeah. Question mark, dot, dot, dot. Yeah, gosh, who could it be talking about? Not that, really, that, that guy. That guy that's how you like, pronounce his name. That's that guy of the <laughs> red pajamas. someone completely different. Hey, that dude who's like got red pajamas and blonde hair and does Hadorkins and Shurayukins. Like that must be Ryu. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, next movie is Street Fighter: The Legend of Ken. The Legend of Ken. They tease Ryu in this. I hope the just, bar- it's just Ken. <laughs> I hope the Barbie movie has like. Ken from Street Fighter in it. It's just this guy on the beach uppercutting uh, people. Barbies. I'm hoping Barbie's going to be a character skin in Street Fighter 6. We'll see. We'll see who's got the biggest legs in the business, Chung Lee or Barbie. Taking up piano again? Ken. <laughs> There's more work to be done. Something about this smells of an old friend. Bison's dead. We need to recruit. They've been talking about a fighter in Japan. Ryu something? I hear he's a force to be reckoned with. Wanna come? Maybe next time. Does this mean you're done fighting? For now, I'm home. Guess what? I, I Harry enjoys a piece of shit film. Big surprise. <laughs> <laughs> so, Breaking news. I think, um, at least, you know, I really hated Battleship. And this, to me, just didn't feel like a slog. Went down easy. Might have been the beer and pizza I was having at the same time. But... We now, as you mentioned earlier, owned this permanently. It's now in our Games of Film <laughs> library on YouTube. Completely unnecessary uh, because I it's think our games for free. Of, our Games of Film library, we only pick the classics of the ones which we, we rent online. So I think it's uh, Monster Hunter, Hellraiser, Hellworld, King of Fighters, and this now, I think. I, I think we have Postal. Oh, and Postal. Well... I'd say, like, compared to the, the bottom rung of martial arts movies that we've done, you know, compared to, say, like, Mortal Kombat, Annihilation, or King of Fighters, or Tekken, I still think this is worse than all of those. Oh, man. Because I think even even King of Fighters, which is probably the most sort of comparable in terms of budget and talent um, and aesthetic, at least that has, like, a wild, we need to use a Bluetooth headset to transport into the fighting universe concept See, I... it doesn't do that well but at least it has an idea and this just doesn't have anything <laughs> i don't know i until you, you mentioned king of fighters I, I couldn't even recall what it was about 
but I'll never forget this film as long as I live. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's uh, that's the well. You liked you you clearly enjoyed Street Fighter: The Legend of Chun Li, but to me, it was Tuesday. Just a Tuesday. Me, it's 365 days of the year. <laughs> <laughs> but that's this. Thus ends the legend of Chung Li. Um, we'll be tackling another video game movie next time. But in the meantime, how can people keep in touch with the legend of games on film? You can find more legendary information on our website gamesonfilm.witsite.com slash podcast we're also on social media on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at gamesonfilmpod so please do follow us there as we often share news of upcoming releases and no doubt we'll include a Street Fighter new movie from Legendary Entertainment when that makes its appearance you can also contact us gamesonfilmpod at gmail.com all episodes of the podcast are available wherever you get your podcasts, be it Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Acast. So please do like, rate, review, share and subscribe. I'm on Twitter at Rory Steele. I'm at Only Man Who Can. And the music for this episode was composed by David Lightfoot. Well, I feel so jazzed by this film. I might go out and beat up a car. Uh, <laughs> I think Rory, you're going to go scream into a pillow. Which might be a good <laughs> bonus round in a Street Fighter game. There's too much focus on the punches and kicking. But like Street Fighter 6, you just go back to your motel room and just go like, ah! <laughs> Why am I doing this? Yeah, podcast? none of the mental anguish. <laughs> well, until next time, I've been Harry. I have been Rory. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Audible sigh at the end there. <laughs>